Hello and welcome to Muppet Sational, the UK's biggest Muppet Show podcast, hosted by three huge Muppet fans. Join us each week as we dive into an episode of Jim Henson's classic variety show, now finally available on Disney+. This week, it's Season 2, Episode 4, starring Master Impressionist Rich Little. It's time to get things started on the chronological, explorational, conversational, Muppetsational! Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Muppetsational. I'm Lewis Chandler. I'm Jay Turner. And I'm Emma Chandler. And I am so full of pie. <laughs> what what pie did you have? It was a chicken and mushroom pie, and the crust was so thick <laughs> that I almost didn't finish it, and now I feel like the entire pie is just sitting, <laughs> just sitting right there. Right there. So full and so sleepy on this Sunday afternoon that I really want to take a nap, and instead we're going to talk about this entirely adequate episode of television. <laughs> I will, like, maybe you should stand up at certain points, just make no sound whatsoever when you do it. <laughs> <laughs> just so I don't like have my head just like, like yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, I'm down. She's down. She's down. If we hear a gentle thud, we'll be like, yep, that's it. Lewis is gone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how's everybody else's Sunday going? Not as exciting as a big old pie. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Nothing says a thrill like a <laughs> big ass pie. <laughs> and how are you doing, Emma? Yeah, pretty good. You know, average Sunday. <laughs> Great, thrilling, Emma. Great anecdote. Thrilling. <laughs> Great work. Jade, why don't you uh, kick us off with some thrilling production information? I don't know how thrilling I can make the production information, but I'll try. Uh... Just, I don't know. Say everything with like an exclamation point at yes. the end. So this episode was originally broadcast on the 4th of November, 1977. <gasps> <laughs> it was written by Jerry Jewell, Joseph A. Bailey, Jim Henson and Don Hinckley and directed as with last week's episode, by Philip Casson. That's how I'm going to say his name, unless someone, you know, please feel free to correct me on social media if that is incorrect, but I'm going with that. So the, the same, the same lineup as we've had with last week's episode as well. And Emma, please, I've done a little bit of research into Rich Little, but please tell us more. Yes. Um, so Rich Little is a impressionist and voice actor known as the man with a thousand voices. I feel like we're going to probably discuss that point later on in the, in the podcast. Many of them, very much the same. <laughs> a thousand very similar voices. What, you mean white man? <laughs> I mean, Jade, I think we should just be grateful that he didn't do any impressions of people that weren't white. That's men, true. That is, that is very true. <laughs> Sorry, Emma, carry on. Um, so he started off in TV in Canada because he's from Ottawa, which I've been to. Very nice place. Um, and he was kind of on a lot of variety TV shows doing his impressions. Um, and then he kind of went into like the USA in like the 1960s. And he started off in on a spot at Guy Lombardo's club in Florida, which I just oh love. This. I love that. That's great. Um, and then from Guy there, Lombardo. he hit the big time when he made his TV debut on the Judy Garland show in 1964. Oh my God, really? Yep, yep. Oh, and Judy he having was... to put up with that. 
Hasn't she gone through enough? I can't believe I've got to Judy Garland again this episode. <laughs> we're, what, two minutes in? Two oh, minutes no. in and we're in. We're back to Judy Garland. He then continued to make appearances on like various variety shows like Ed Sullivan, Jackie Gleason. He was on the Julie Andrews Hour in the 70s. The Julia? Just an hour? <laughs> he was on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. He was on the Dean Martin Comedy Roasts. Um, I like this other thing that I found that in 1973, he was the opening act for the Osmonds at Caesar's Palace. <laughs> Do you know what? Ever since, I don't know if either of you have watched that Janet Jackson documentary yet, but ever since hearing about like Vegas in the 70s and the fact that Janet Jackson was seven years old and performing twice nightly in a nightclub act, it's just... Oh. Christ. Weird. It's very. <laughs> and she probably had to meet bloody Rich Little as well. <laughs> just oh, get away she from She definitely would know Rich Little. The one thing that I was very shocked to read was that he is still performing in Vegas. He still does a show three or four nights a week in yeah. Vegas. He's 83. He's 83. He's not dead. He's not dead. He's still performing. And the reviews are hilarious. Most people say how much they loved it. But the ones that like vaguely mention what it is he's talking about, basically he hasn't really updated the act since what we see on the Muppet oh Show. He's God. still doing like all these same voices and impressions. And one moment, please. Okay, this is exciting. <laughs> Emma, what the hell is going on with your hair? <laughs> I, I did wonder yeah, that. Yeah, it's gone a bit. <laughs> Why is it so high at the top? It's so it's crazy. Like... I don't know. It's, it's it... like you're in a regional production of Grease. Oh, there's a. There's... That's a flock of seagulls quiff going on at the front there, isn't it? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I screenshotted my favourite review from uh, from Ticketmaster because I just... Oh my God. It just made me laugh. Can I ask how much the tickets are? I didn't actually look at that. It's a good question, but I did notice that he'd cancelled... When was the third? Was that... Thursday? Three days ago, yeah. Yeah, th- Thursday's show was cancelled and I wondered whether that was due to poor ticket sales, but it didn't say, oh. so. <laughs> this is a review from Mike B. It's from the 1st of November last year, so, you know, very recent. He gave it five stars mm. and said, loved it. Good Great, point. okay. And then the review <laughs> itself, the combination of live impressions and video of past TV appearances was a treat from start to finish. It was a wonderful nostalgia trip. Well worth the admission price. However, it is only good for an audience old enough to be familiar with entertainers and politicians from his era, bracket, <laughs> 60s to Bill Clinton. For example, <laughs> if you've seen On Golden Pond, his take on Henry Fonda and Catherine Hepburn <laughs> is hysterical. <laughs> If you never saw it, it will fall flat. If you have to ask, who is Robert Goulet, then forget it. Do you know what this reminds me of? When I was doing my like big trip when I was away for four months, we went to this place called Lachlan, Nevada, which was kind of like old people's yeah. Vegas. And I just feel like it has that vibe. Yeah, it, it definitely has that vibe. Oh my God. I can't believe in the year of our Lord 2022, <laughs> he is doing an on Golden Pond bit. <laughs> Which, like, that's insane. <laughs> Even Catherine Hepburn died in 2004. That's ridiculous. She was around forever. He's like, where is he? Oh, hold on. He's, that's, it's, yeah, well, obviously it's on there because it's on the, he's playing the Laugh Factory in Las Vegas. Huh. <laughs> 
Yep. Oh my god. Thursday to Sunday, some weeks, Friday to Sunday. I'm guessing those weeks are when they've got somebody else doing the Thursday, or he just can't be bothered. Not sure. I mean, I suppose... (laughs) Good for him for still performing at 83. I'm just kind of shocked he's not dead. (laughs) Is that a terrible thing to say? There was also one other review which I haven't got in front of me right now, but it basically said, if you want to see him in a not particularly busy auditorium. (laughs) And I couldn't work out whether that was a COVID socially distanced thing or whether that was just because he'd not sold any tickets. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, I mean, Emma, next time, next time you're in your, <laughs> on your round the world trip, I think you should go see Lich, Rich Little. That's Lich Riddle? Lich Riddle. <laughs> can't even do it wrong now. Lich Riddle. Yeah. <laughs> oh, when I saw he wasn't dead, I was also quite shocked. Yeah. Because he doesn't look young on this, does he, particularly? But we've, we've realised this, though. and Everybody yeah. is of an indeterminate age <laughs> in the mid-70s. They could either be... 32 or 50, and there's no, there's no telling. <laughs> it's a cruel time. <laughs> anyway, should we jump into the episode itself? Yes, let's. So we start on another cold open, this episode, with Scooter and Rich Little, and we get a first little taste of his impressions when Scooter's <laughs> like, who is this? I no, no, Scooter knows who it is. He knows he's, he has to tell us he's doing WC Fields because otherwise the audience will not know who it is that Rich Little is doing. I, it's just, it was so odd. It's all like from the jump. I was like, okay, so this is the level we're working with. It's great. When he did the first one, I was like, oh, okay. Like, is this just like a little bit? And then obviously when he then came out of, as Humphrey Bogart and Casablanca, I was like, what relevance has this to anything? Why is this who is coming out of the door? Like, it just... Again, remember, this was broadcast in 1977. Yeah. 30 years had passed. He's definitely still not... doing Humphrey Bogart in his act now in oh, 2022. 100%. 100%. <laughs> just, oh, oh. It was... Oh, I mean, I, look, there's, I suppose there's only so much you can do with an impressionist (laughs) but it was just from the jump I was like I can't believe pardon my French he's like shooting his load this early do you know what I mean just sort of like we've still got 25 more minutes of like bad impressions to get through couldn't you have just done like I don't know some other random bit yeah it was it was an interesting uh an interesting way to start the episode um, I quite I quite liked when Mean Mama showed up. Yes, just because it was like, oh, okay, we're also pl- we are playing with the Muppets as well. Yes, like thank that's God. nice. And she seems to be getting lots of screen time. I'm not entirely sure how that Muppet has become such an integral part of basically every episode we've watched so far in season two. <laughs> I know it's, they're really keen to use that puppet. <laughs> Do you reckon she cost a lot of money and they were just like, you have to use her? Yeah, Lou Grade was like, you need to offset the cost of this. <laughs> it's like Vendor Face all over again. Oh, oh no. don't. I can't believe you brought up Vendor Face. <laughs> Sorry. Both of your faces when I said that. <laughs> Please, God, no. I'd almost forgotten about Vendor Face. Well, sorry for mentioning that awful puppet. Yeah. So we get this opening number, which I cannot remember what the song was. All I've written down is Lana Del Rey and her two friends. Because <laughs> <laughs> I thought the puppet in the middle looked a bit like Lana. 
It's Chanson d'Amour. D'Amour. Don't look at me. I was allowed to drop French early. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say Chances of Love. That's my guess. Wow, Emma, really putting that uh, <laughs> GCSE French to good use. Should we have another little fun fact to do with this little um, song? Please, Emma. <laughs> well, this was actually Louise Gold's audition. Yeah. Oh. Yep. She actually um, triple tracked her voice. So she is the same voice for all three puppets. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And she did some of the puppeteering as well. So yeah. unlike some of the other auditioners who did not do any of the puppetry, she did do puppetry, which, mm. you know, makes sense, obviously. <laughs> mm. Joining the Muppet Show. Yeah. Um, so it's it's... English title was just love song, which feels very oh disappointing. See, this is why it's better that it's in French. Yeah, <laughs> I like. Well, when they first came on and you had the the backdrop with the three of them, I was like, oh, this is you know very sweet and lovely. And I did immediately kind of think, right, what's what's going to happen? What's going to go wrong? Mm. And then when Crazy Harry showed up, I was like, oh my god. Like this is going to go down, isn't it? Like this is this is you've got these three. Yeah, little Lana Del Rey and her backing singers yeah. floating around in their little chiffony dresses. <laughs> and they were petrified every time he was doing anything. I know. They were PTSD. They were so it was madness. And even like the set was on fire a bit oh my in the God, background. Yes. That fire. Oh my God. Yeah. Oh, I really wish we'd just seen some sort of half hearted stage hand with a fire extinguisher just like quickly putting it out. Yeah. I can only imagine like Louise Gold doing this and thinking like, oh my God, am I going to set my, am I going to set on fire in my audition? (laughs) Maybe that's why they decided to keep her on. They were like, if she can put up with Crazy Harry's explosions, she can deal with anything. (laughs) It was a lot of explosions. (laughs) It really, it really, really was. At the end, it was almost like a fireworks show level of explosion, just constant, (laughs) but... I quite, I like, I didn't mind it. It felt very Muppety. It felt very silly. It didn't outstay its welcome, I didn't think. Like, no. it it was quite a, a relatively upbeat for an opening as well, just because of the sheer number of explosions and shocks going on. Yeah. What What did you think, Emma? Yeah, I think it was quite good. I mean, we've had some of the opening acts we've had recently haven't been great. So I thought it was quite good. I, you know, it was nice to see Crazy Harry again. And I thought it was just fun. I thought the three little, like, puppets were really, really cute. And actually, I thought the one in the blue dress, her reactions were really quite yeah, funny to watch. Um, and although I was quite concerned, like I said earlier, with all the fire that was going on. <laughs> <laughs> but overall, I thought it was quite a solid opening. It was. It was a really solid opening. Yeah, I just hope... I hope that that fire did get put out quickly. (laughs) (laughs) I'm surprised none of their sort of like synthetic hair caught on fire. (laughs) They just like catch the back of them. (laughs) But good for them. And just to say on Louise Gold, with that being her audition as well. So she became a regular member of the cast from episode 207 so this is episode 204 so we've got two without her and then and then she joined properly um but she actually didn't get screen credit until season three which i think is really bad she needs to speak to her union rep (laughs) yeah really strange but i guess 
they did things differently back then, especially with TV credits and things, didn't they? So I don't know. Nice to have her back in the cast. And it also means, as we'll get on to later, that we get a different version of Mildred back, which is kind of crazy, but we'll get there. We will get there. I'd like to start the Waldorf's joke after this about, <laughs> I was asleep. Did I miss anything? Nothing. They bombed again. Zing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Solid pun. <laughs> that was really solid. And then we move backstage into a runner that was so odd. <laughs> Just Gonzo and a real chicken. Where's Camilla? Why is it a real chicken? Well, I guess Camilla doesn't, like, exist as such at this point, does she? Like, they were, there were chickens in the audience at the end, but I don't think we've... Please tell me if I'm wrong. I know we've had some ch- we've had some singing chickens. We've definitely in had chickens. Like there was the ones who were wearing like the evening yeah. gowns who then didn't yes. actually make any sense because then they'd be like really long. <laughs> but they but we've not I don't think we've actually been introduced to Camilla as a character, have we? No, we haven't. So No, I think I think it, this is kind of like the spark of where, <laughs> where Gonzo happens. gets his uh, and I think taste they, for chicken. I, <laughs> That makes it sound like he's going to eat them. Finger licking good. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I really enjoyed this runner. Like, I just felt like it was so gonzo. And I really enjoyed that he got a runner. And yes. that it it wasn't obviously about him being a sad sack or... Okay, yes, it is about his art because he wants to do... He wants chorus girl chickens <laughs> to perform. Yeah, He just felt like he's getting so much closer to the character that we know. And also I just loved how weird and absurd it was because that is Gonzo, you know, like he's not normal. Yeah, we've certainly we've certainly robots. moved on from the idea that he's the resident artiste and now he's just a weirdo who likes chickens. Yeah, exactly. So the combination of that and like the new puppet, he's every time we see him getting closer and closer to the the sort of recognisable Gonzo that we we are used to, I guess. Yeah, definitely. And I also felt like because of the upgrades to the puppet as well, like he's so much more expressive and yeah. he's got so much more range than that mm. than that old puppet had. That's elevating him to this like more major character than he could have possibly been in season one mm. because he just wasn't able to to express in that way in season one. But now he can look sad or shocked or happy. Or just like or... bug his eyes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's kind of amazing how much they can do with almost just that. Like, obviously, he's it's his movements as well. But the fact that those eyelids can now have so much movement really does make a big difference to his emotion and then also, therefore, his story arc. Yeah, it does. And I just like that it was weird. Like, that just... I don't know. That feels right for Gonzo. Like, his storylines should be weird. They should not just be... Where's my mallet? I want to hit a car. I think the other... Okay, so this is kind of like talking about the entire uh, runner as a whole. And also this episode. It was so weird how many Muppets we saw standing on the actual ground. Yeah, I know. Like, suddenly just seeing like how like small and short they look when you actually just have them standing on the ground rather than technically kind of like floating in the sort of midair that they are when they're sort of like in a scene but it was that and there was the we'll get to it later like the song with piggy Mm. just it's just really weird seeing them stand on the ground yeah (laughs) i don't know if that makes sense but yeah no i i put that as well i was like it's a really odd like perspective of seeing that and i kind of wondered whether we're looking at two different versions. So we've got the versions where 
it's obviously like the close up and it's the top half of their body. Mm. And then when we've got like the standing Muppet puppets, it's obviously a different one and it's smaller because this perspective is really quite strange. I don't know if it's a smaller one. I think there obviously there must be at least two takes that they've edited together because le- yeah, like when you definitely when you get to Piggy's UK spot, that shot of her on the stage that's definitely a different setup to them when you cut into the more traditional shot of just her sort of like mm. mid torso up. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like I feel like maybe with Gonzo they haven't quite got his proportions right because when he was sat down in the prop room auditioning, mm. which we'll get to, but when he was doing that, like I don't know, I kept kind of feeling like he was almost that like meme of Matt the Blanc that was going round when he's like, you know, when everyone was saying he looks like your dad sat on the sofa. Oh, like an like, Irish not dad. Not that Gonzo yeah. had his arms crossed, but yeah. he just sort of looked like he was like all legs and very dumpy and like a bit rotund in a way that I'm not used to seeing with Gonzo. Yeah. I didn't mind Piggy on the stage actually. I thought I wasn't and I was really, really impressed with that setup because you had her, you had Rolf, and then you also could see Statler and Waldorf as well. And I was like, actually that's that's quite complicated. Mm. That is so much more complex than anything we saw in season one. And the fact they did that for a UK spot, I mean I think that shows they're maybe using that to like experiment with some things still, which is good. But I know what you mean, especially when Gonzo came on with the chicken at the end it just it looked he's like they just suddenly look like toys they don't they yeah, they, they don't yeah. look like them no. it's so strange well it's also the like especially with that because you've got a direct comparison with the chicken <laughs> and the chicken's like half his height chickens are always bigger than i anticipate though no oh, they're they're big birds, <laughs> big birds. <laughs> they are like <laughs> You know, from my few times down on the farm. <laughs> Don't laugh, ever. I have been down the farm. Down, down the farm. The way you're saying it is really like, I went out of the city. <laughs> we went down to the farm. <laughs> I bought a barber. I got some new wellies. Oh, God, I wish. <laughs> little flat cap. <laughs> oh, God. You wouldn't do that to your hair, Lewis. No, I, I wouldn't, I to be that. fair. Actually, I do hate flat caps. <laughs> <laughs> it was particularly strange when you saw him with the chicken at the end but i like again that they're trying different things and trying things out and i guess we're also moving closer to the movie as well so maybe they were using the show as a bit of a way of like seeing what they could get away with in the movie that's too. true mm. what's the movie 79 yes 79 so i mean they were probably already working on the script and stuff i would imagine because that wouldn't have come together immediately, would it? It would no. have taken a bit of time. So I'm sure all of that was sort of in the ether. Yeah. Shall we move on to Rich's first <laughs> act? If we have to. <laughs> <laughs> now look, I will give him credit. I did like his Cary Grant. That was that came later. Okay, well, we'll bring that up later then and ignore that. And we'll go into this again. <laughs> This one was when he did Fozzie, Kermit, Piggy. Oh, God. Yeah, he did Fozzie, Kermit, and Piggy. A funny thing happened on the way to the theatre. I'm coming through a crowd at the stage door when suddenly... <laughs> don't, don't, don't tell me I know. Ah, <laughs> Nothing, girl. Or Jack Benny. Will you get out of here? Ah. <laughs> uh, 
Sorry for the interruption, folks. Uh, Kermit the Frog here, and we've got a really great show lined up for you tonight, uh, featuring Gonzo and the Flying Cheese, plus the state of New Jersey. Uh, oh, uh, gee, uh, look, look who's here. Bridget, you. Hey, I, I was in the dressing room, and I heard you on stage, and for a second I thought I had grown a new me. Hello, Kermit. Jesse. Yes, that piggy was bloody terrible. I hate it when people do that on their nose. I, oh. <laughs> Emma, it's a podcast. You have to describe what it is. Everyone knows what she's doing. <laughs> she's lifting up the tip of her nose to make it look like a snout. Oh, God, I look like I'm in League of Gentlemen. <laughs> Awful. Yeah, that, I was wondering how... Do you think he? Do you think he still does Fuzzy Kermit and Piggy no. in his in his act now? Do you think that got worked into the uh, the sort of regular routine? I didn't think any of them were great. No. So I'm guessing that he just did them for this, or maybe maybe there was a brief moment in the seventies when because the Muppets were so popular, he had worked them in ever so slightly, but they clearly mm. weren't his like bread and butter ones, which were. Much more like, I think, Cary Grant, Jimmy Stewart, yeah. clearly Nixon. He seemed to be really enjoying doing his Nixon. I, oh God, just, <laughs> no, look, we, we have to save it for when we get to that. I mean, let's do that. <laughs> no, but I, I, like, I think I, we do have to save it, but I think we also have to just sort of like, there is an element of comparison here because of what he's doing. Comparison to the people he's meant to be portraying. Well, or? exactly. And also to like how well he does them compared to one another. Because for me, the best one he did was Jimmy Stewart. Oh, yeah. And he said that was his favourite. I mean, and I think that who was... amongst us doesn't have a Jimmy Stewart ready to crack out <laughs> at any occasion? Just, oh, oh, I don't have your money. It's at Bill's house and Dad's house. <laughs> is, that, is that your Jimmy Stewart? It's just listing other people's houses. No, it's from... Well, to be fair, it's actually my impression of the Simpsons impression of Jimmy Stewart in... It's a wonderful life. <laughs> it's when uh, it's in the PTA disbands where Bart like makes a run on the bank by like confusing the people who are there, and then Moe's like, "Why do you have my money in your house, Fred?" And he punches a guy in the face. <laughs> anyway, but that's my Jimmy Stewart. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I did not think much of these. And then when he did, I assume he was meant to be doing Statler as well, and I thought that was. Just Nixon, slightly dodgy. <laughs> Any old man who does this. I, I was like, I'm not really sure who, who this is meant to be. <laughs> I think it's Nixon again. <laughs> just, yeah. just, people just, like... just, just Nixon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. All of the Muppet impressions were bad. I'd say maybe, I guess... I even like trying to choose between which was the least bad of the I three. I think Kermit was the least bad. I guess. But it wasn't good. But it was the least bad, I think. What a what a high what a lofty go, lofty. Uh, oh God, I can't talk. I'm so full of pie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's really hitting the high notes. I don't know exactly what you were trying to say. I think impressionists. I don't know. Do you think in on general maybe impressionists now have like really upped their game and are just like they don't even do it now unless they've got the voice like almost yeah spotted. i think so i mean i've seen like so many tiktoks now you see of just uh people yeah who, like there's this guy who does an uncanny anna <laughs> um anna faris is that her name 
And it's so weird. <laughs> because it's it's just bang on. And it's just like, why is her voice coming yeah. out of this <laughs> adult man? But um, yeah, I think if you sort of make your career as a impressionist in the 70s. I think as long, you know, as long as you can, like, crack out your classics, like a Jimmy Stewart or a Burt Lancaster. Um, <laughs> which was, That did not sound like Burt Lancaster. That was just a voice of a man. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it just... I, wonder, I wonder if it's because, obviously, now, where we've got access to all sorts of media and, obviously, you know, we can look at clips or we can everything's either like on a streaming service or you know there's so many ways that you can sort of watch things over and over again whereas obviously in the 70s that wasn't always the case so you wonder if it you was could more get away with it because people couldn't watch it no again. i know that but that's what i'm trying to say though in terms yeah, that's of what I mean. yeah. the quality of I the like impressions like it kind of went down well because they weren't constantly seeing these stars and their voices and because he kind of parrots how they talk they just went mm. along with it because that reminds me there was that guy who was a um a ventriloquist who used to do it on the radio and then when he like when it transitioned to television his career tanked because it turned out he couldn't actually do ventriloquism <laughs> because they could see his mouth moving when he was holding his you know, dummy <laughs> I wish I could remember his name, but they were like, yeah, as soon as we got him on TV, it didn't work because you could see him talk. (laughs) But he'd been calling himself a ventriloquist for years. I mean, Rich Little still calls himself an impressionist, Lewis, so, you know. (laughs) Oh, sick burn, Jade. (laughs) Look, I don't see you cracking out a Henry Fonda. And and, uh, (laughs) Where's your on Golden Pond bit? I'm so sorry I don't have it on Golden Pond, but I'll work on it for the next episode, okay? I, I Lewis, what? do you want to bring I... on your Catherine Hepburn? I can tell you're like wanting oh, to. Oh, I don't know if anybody needs to hear my Catherine Hepburn. <laughs> <laughs> you're the worst kind of snob. I just don't... I'm too full of pie to do Catherine Hepburn. <laughs> that pie probably weighed more than Catherine Hepburn did. <laughs> Stay away from the Hepburns. You don't deserve a Hepburn. Sorry, that's two weeks' notice. I think you're probably right, Emma. Like, there was just a lower bar. But he also just didn't... With all of his impressions, other than John Wayne, I think, he didn't really change anything about himself. Like, he didn't hold himself in a particular way. Oh, he did obviously do, like, the cheek jowl thing for Nixon. But obviously, if you don't do that, then (laughs) what is life? Um, So I've actually just realised that a lot of his impressions are ones that I have already done on this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Genuinely, <laughs> like, apart from I don't have a Burt Lancaster, but apparently neither does he. So <laughs> I don't know. Oh god! I, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, we're gonna have to talk more about his terrible impressions later, so well, we might as well yeah, move we'll just... on to. <sighs> well, we went backstage again, and it was weird. Like I swear, this bit was just Gonzo improvising with the chicken. I think you're right. Yeah. Because there wasn't any sort of real script. It was just reacting to what was happening. I guess, I think it was obviously just like, okay, we're going to show Gonzo in the audition with the chicken. I thought there were some very funny lines in there, though. At the end, he went, one, two, three, four, please do something. Which I thought was really funny. (laughs) 
I mean, I just felt sorry for Rolf. That would be me as a dance teacher, basically. <laughs> One, two, three, four, please do something. Pandu clothes, pandu clothes, pandu clothes, plie. Uh, what is that from? Emma, it's Drum Dead Gorgeous. Oh, of course, yes. She hits the the elderly dance teacher who sort of smokes the whole time and makes them put Vaseline on their mouth. <laughs> Bandle clothes, bandle clothes, bandle clothes, plie. I'm sure Gonzo would have been over the moon if he could have got even that amount of movement out of the chicken. I know. <laughs> I just thought it was really funny that obviously they chucked a bit of like bird seed on the floor <laughs> in hope that it would do a little circuit around. And obviously that didn't work. So it was very like cut together. <laughs> Come on, girl, give us nothing. <laughs> yes. Were you were you two both also slightly on the edge of your seat just with like what was the animal rights? You know, like there clearly wasn't any like monitoring of the animal action or anything, and I was absolutely petrified that this chicken was gonna end up in a situation that was like clearly <laughs> would not be allowed today. I was like, be blow- yeah, it could be too near an explosion. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just see a feather come floating down. <laughs> yeah. And um, also, like I was saying earlier, I think Rolf's reactions were quite funny. He was they like totally bemused by the whole thing. He was literally <laughs> like, what is happening? <laughs> it was good. The don't call us, we'll call you. The throw away nice legs at the end. Like, yeah. Yeah. Gonzo was having fun, even if the chicken wasn't. So. Or us. <laughs> <laughs> And it was fine. <laughs> His voice is still not 100%, I don't think. And I I think I might have said this before, but in this backstage bit in particular, I almost thought he sounded a bit like Adam Sandler. There was just something... I can sort of see that. Oh my God, actually. Well, I mean, related to this. Emma, I, well, Jade as well. Sorry, I don't know why I was like excluding you from the conversation. <laughs> sorry, one moment, Jade. Emma. I'll keep myself busy. Okay, just let me know. Yeah, if you could back. just do something else. Sorry, just take a moment. No, I um, last week I was flicking through the TV channels and landed on Fifty First Dates. And my God, that movie has not aged a well. <laughs> so weird. We used to watch that all the time. I know. It's still got some classic moments in it, but yeah, the whole premise of it is just, it, yeah, would not get made today. Yeah. No. <laughs> like the bit where. <laughs> I'd forgotten, like, it, it was, you know what, that thing when you just watch things and then entire sequences just come back to you? <laughs> the bit where he keeps trying to get. Drew Barrymore's attention by doing different things on this dirt road. Yeah. And then one time he's getting um, Rob Schneider to beat him up. Yes. And then Drew Barrymore gets out of her car with a baseball club and it's like <laughs> smacks him on the back and then chases after him into like, the, the bush. And it's just so... I did laugh. Rob Schneider's character, as with most of his characters, is extremely, I mean, questionable at best horrendously racist at worst. I just it's hate just Rob awful. Schneider. He's just awful. Just awful. He just seems an unpleasant person to be around. <laughs> anyway, so that was my bit on 50%. <laughs> that was just my diversion. Well, it's okay. I did bring up Adam Sandler, so it's fine. You did. And and that might be preferable to talking about the ballroom, because... Yeah, why don't we just talk about the wedding singer instead? <laughs> the superior uh, Drew Barrymore and Adam Sandler collaboration. Oh, I love the wedding oh. singer. Hello, I'm Julia Gulia. <laughs> I love that film. <laughs> He's losing his mind. And I'm reaping all the benefits. <laughs> it's just so good. Oh. 
Yeah, fine. Yep, at the dancer's <laughs> back, Jade lied to us again. I did not lie to you! <laughs> you promised. <laughs> you said it was gone. Animal did nothing. Why use Animal if you're not going to make him do something? Well, the really weird thing about this was that there were multiple instances where one puppeteer, like Frank Oz, was doing Piggy. So the pig, was, the other pig was just attached to Piggy and not doing anything. And then he obviously did Animal as well. And like, I don't know if you both noticed this, but there were there were clearly quite a few puppets in the couples that were not being puppeted. They were just dead. It's very odd. Yeah. So, and it was the same with at the start when Animal was not doing anything and it was like, you're holding too tight. And then he collapsed. Animal was not being puppeted at that moment. Before he mm. dropped down, there was nothing. It was really, really strange and quite disconcerting to watch at the point that the puppets are obviously meant to be dancing. So alive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kind of got slight flashbacks to the, the, the sort of dead robot Muppets at the beginning of the season one opening titles, just yeah. limply lifting their arm. <laughs> it was it was very, very much in that vein. I mean, I like the idea of having both puppets in the couple puppeteered by the same person, but they both need to actually be puppeteered, not like, oh, do one at a time, which is yeah. effectively what this felt like. <laughs> one, two, three, four, please do something <laughs> It would have been great if you'd heard Gonzo from backstage saying that over the top of the ballroom. <laughs> yeah. I mean, their pyro budget is definitely back. <laughs> even... It's definitely been expanded. Think... <laughs> Maybe for the first three episodes, they the uh, the pyros hadn't arrived and they were like, well, we've got a surplus and we'll just chuck them into episode four. <laughs> They're only going to go bad in the warehouse. so we might as well... <laughs> They're only going to explode the warehouse. So we need to use them up. <laughs> Emma, anything positive or negative to say about at the dance? Mm, not particularly. I mean, we kind of we went back to our corny jokes again with the uh, add ten years and age ten years, and I mean, it was nice to see Miss Piggy like in that section. But yeah, like you said, it was kind of odd that you had the partners of one of each couple weren't being puppeteered, and it was quite an odd sight to see I almost thought I'd rather go back to seeing like Mildred and George than what we're seeing at the moment yeah definitely and I mean I know the jokes are always weak but this one didn't even feel like they'd particularly put anything into them at all you know like the other week they were all themed around tennis weren't they but like yeah this it was like call him a doctor you're a doctor I like I don't yeah. know I just despair I despair <laughs> I despair <laughs> Yeah, we're done covering that. That's fine. What, what? You know, just, it's just us complaining about how much we hate this. We just hate it <laughs> every single time. <laughs> just, we might as well just skip it if there's any more. Because what is there more to say? How many? Let me count the ways in which I hate this. <laughs> we could maybe maybe we should write a sonnet next time then instead of. <laughs> oh God. Uh. I assume this next song with Piggy was the UK spot? It was, yes. Yes. Again, weird Muppets standing on the floor, seeing her at her full height was a bit strange. Kind of doing like a, is it like a Mary Lloyd song? It is, yeah. It's the boy I... Is it actually? Yeah. yeah. Oh my God, yeah. I just pulled that It's like... an old music hall song. Yeah, because I mean, she was kind of dressed like Mary Lloyd with like the big hat and standing with the umbrella and stuff. So I assumed it was at least a reference, but I'm... <laughs> Well, that's my achievement for the day. <laughs> so it's the boy I love is up in the gallery. 
which is why and obviously the lyrics were very much about her being on stage and him waving his handkerchief and seeing Wardorf doing that Just come over, over from the country where they do things big. And amongst the boys, I've got a lover. And since I've got a lover, why, I don't care a fig. The boy I love is up in the gallery. The boy I love is looking now at me. There he is, can't you see? A waving of his handkerchief, merry as a robin that sings on a tree. I thought it was really cute that there was like the sing along from everyone in the audience, other than mm. again the puppets that had just been put there and were not singing along. <laughs> But the ones that were singing along were cute. <laughs> yeah. It was all played fairly straight, wasn't it? There was no sort of additional spin or twist on it. It literally was just Piggy comes on and sings a number. Yeah, basically. Mm. I think the only... There was one line about kisses that she sang in a particularly sort of kisses kind of Miss Piggy way. But other than that, it was just Miss Piggy dressed up as Mary Lloyd doing doing the number. I feel like they were really leaning into the tech on this though, like the cinematography and just playing around with setups and angles and mm. so I feel like from that point of view, I'm guessing they just decided to focus on that rather than making it a Muppety, yeah. Wayne and Wanda-esque yeah. twist or anything. Well, I suppose if they wanted to get that almost shot from the gallery, there was no other way to do it apart from having Piggy placed on the floor. You couldn't really have a shot angled that high mm. and not uh, dis- have to disguise it in some way. But it did. It, it, it just strikes me as strange and I don't care for it. Yeah, it kind of gave me vibes of 70s animatronic. Anim- I can't say Go it. on, Emma. Animatronics Yay! on like a ride. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? When yeah. you know when you go on Pirates of the Caribbean vibe. Imagineering, yeah. <laughs> Imagineering yeah. robot. Yeah. I feel like now you've said that, it's almost like Country Bear Jamboree-esque. I've never done Country Bear Jamboree. What? Oh my God, I've Lewis. never done it. <laughs> it's like a... No. Never. Is it in the Florida park? Yeah. No. Is it? Yeah. Okay, okay. <laughs> with such assurance no (laughs) (laughs) yeah no it is it's um it's as you're walking around to go to like big thunder and splash if you come from like fantasy land and i've got to say my my familiarity with the layout of the magic kingdom in florida is by no means as good as my knowledge of the layout in uh, Disneyland Paris. I don't know why. I always get slightly confused trying to get my way to Splash Mountain. I'm like, it feels like it's just like a random bridge. <laughs> and then we're just there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like it's so tucked away in a corner almost. It's so Country Bear Jamboree is just before that bridge on the way up to like Liberty Square. That's what I'm trying to think of the name of. Liberty Square. You know where like you get the boat from? Yes. Yeah, so between Liberty Square and that random bridge, that's where Country Bear Jamboree is. Oh, well, yeah. the more you know. I mean, it's very, uh, it, it's so aged now. It's, mm. it's, but it's, 
it's classic Disney in the same way as like going on Carousel of Progress or whatever, you know, like it, it kind of, it has that nostalgia that's, even if you've not done it before and you've got nothing yeah. to actually be nostalgic yeah, about, it's, it's just it's like the um the what is it the Hall of Presidents yes. one as well, yeah, which we did do. And when you're sitting there yeah. going, we are at like a, a theme park right now. Why are we watching this robot do a robot Abraham Lincoln? Like, I can. We've never done the Enchanted Tiki Room, which I'd really what? like to do. Oh my! I God. know, are but Jay, this is a problem because Mum and Dad are not. So they are theme park people, but they're not like heritage Disney theme park. Do you know what I mean? They don't. They don't see the uh, the appeal of standing in the enchanted tiki room for fifteen minutes, hearing some you sit birds in play. the tiki room. Okay, well, bully for them. I don't know. <laughs> hearing some, you know, nineteen sixties robot parrots oh tell some God. potentially off color jokes. <laughs> I love the tiki room so much. Quite often, when we're cooking dinner, I'll put the Disney album on, which is the music from the parks, and it's about the third <laughs> or fourth track is the tiki room. And every time it comes on, Rich looks like he wants to die, and I look like I'm having the best time of my life. And <laughs> we have fun; it's fine. But uh, I think we need well, to do like, like a you Muppet sensational trip. <laughs> oh god i wish tiki room is great fun i'm so so you didn't even go when it was like under new management with um iago and zazu that was no yeah that was fun times fun times in the tiki room <laughs> crazy crazy oh no i, I love i love the shows like it's just that bit of downtime that's you know if you have been stood in queues all day and like just been running around the park and then you get 15 minutes to sit and just watch some birds like that's what the finding nemo musical is for (laughs) that doesn't exist anymore lewis it's back they've just cut it down (laughs) (laughs) oh right we need to get back on track (laughs) we're gonna get the what is this next act i just remember the worm puppet being it's just called the glow worm well there we go at least it's not as bad as uh French guy with his inchworm. I was slightly concerned when I saw that little worm going along. I was like, if this is going back to the inchworm, I'm... Because you did threaten us when we saw that episode <laughs> that that song is coming again at some point, isn't it? Yeah, I think Danny Kaye does it, I want to say, maybe. I think he's obviously in future seasons. Yeah, no. I was I was quite concerned when I saw the little, little worm inching along. I was like, what are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> but this is cute. He's Lenny the Lizard. And he's sort of like a weird Kermit, isn't he? Like yeah. he's very kind of like an unbrand, like kind of the kind of like non-branded outside of copyright yeah. kind of. <laughs> yeah, he's like the off the rack version. Yeah. <laughs> but this is a this bit with having the glowworm, and then one comes along, he eats it. Another comes along, he eats it, and then. Another comes along, but actually it turns out to be the nose of a big monster or something. Mm. This is a bit that Jim Henson had done on lots of different variety shows in lots of different versions Mm. with like various things happening. You can feel that kind of with it, can't you? Like it just feels like such a great, it's a simple premise, but it's effective and fun. It is. It's a solid skit. And I love any kind of like cookie monster style eating where they just rah, 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 and they just push something into their mouth. I had fun with it. I like it was it was perfectly pleasant to watch and it felt like there was a precision to it, like the worm did genuinely disappear as soon as it was meant to be eaten and everything. It, did. Like, it was nice. I did wonder whether you were alright when Gorgon Heap turned up at the end of the worm, Emma. I was like, oh no. <laughs> Lenny the lizard is gonna be no more. <laughs> 
Lenny the lizard it sounds like such a like Charlie Chalk style oh <laughs> like God, Charlie Chalk. Cra- crappy corporate uh, sort of kid, kids fun park like it feels like you know when you put like you want a Kermit yeah. the Frog on your Christmas lid list and they don't get it for you and then they get you a Lenny the lizard <laughs> who the hell is Lenny the lizard <laughs> Lily the lizard was the Poundland version. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Lenny the lizard. <laughs> it's a bit like in Jingle All the Way. It was like nobody wants Booster. <laughs> oh my god! I if you just brought Jingle All the Way. <laughs> nobody likes your Booster. <laughs> oh, is that Rich Little? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's Bert Lancaster. Oh, uh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's such an odd film. Yeah, really weird. I saw it for the first time in ages the other year, and I really was. I kept looking at Rich and going, "Like, is this really what happens in this?" Like, I, yeah, this is so weird. Like the bit at the end where Arnold Schwarzenegger saves his son and then hands him back to his wife, and his wife does not recognize him, despite <laughs> the fact that it's clearly her very buff Austrian husband. <laughs> And all he's doing is wearing, like, a see-through, like, you can see his full face. It's not even a mask. He's just wearing, like, an orange visor. And she's like, thank you, Turbo Man. And he's like, that is okay. <laughs> she's not for one minute. Doesn't she go, wait, do you think that's my very tall bodybuilder Aust- Austrian husband? Because like, you know how Arnold Schwarzenegger just blends in. He's very much an everyman. <laughs> oh, dear. Right. Are we going on to, speaking of crap impressions, <laughs> are we going on to uh, the second Rich Little skit? Right. Now I'll say what I said last time. I really liked his Cary Grant. I thought the Cary Grant was good. Just taking it back before we get into the Cary Grant <laughs> and the rest of them. When he came out of the door and there were all those reporters there, did either of you have flashbacks to Twiggy? Because I fully did. I fully was like, oh my God, if he's about to die, then I am I am out of here. Yeah, I was like, I'm not sure what's going to happen right now. He's going to do his own, it's going to be his funeral where the eulogy will be him doing different celebrities yeah. coming to talk about him. I mean, that would have been better than... <laughs> what we got from Anything Twiggy. would be better than Twiggy. <laughs> Anything. Very true. Uh, but yes, to go back to the impressions. Thank you very much, Matt. So I really appreciate that. I really do. Yes. Well, to answer the first part of your question, uh, some come very quickly, like two or three hours. Then others take longer. And then, of course, there are some that I am still working on. You mean like your Cary Grant? <laughs> I heard that, Junior. Another crack out of you and I'll turn your head into a dimple. <laughs> oh, I just love Burt Lancaster. I thought I was doing Cary Grant. I know, but I just love Burt Lancaster. Ha, 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 ha. Very kind, miss. Very kind. Perhaps after this interview, we could go out together, have a little champagne supper. Ha, 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 ha. Oh, I think I'm going to faint. The Cary Grant was fine. It was solid. I think it was, yeah. it was, it was all right. It was about as solid as Tony Curtis's Cary Grant that he does in Some Like It Hot. It's mm-hmm. pretty much that level. Yeah. The Burt Lancaster was bizarre and could have genuinely been anyone, I think. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen Burt Lancaster or anything. I've never seen From Here to Eternity. Have you not? 
No, I know. I haven't. Um, I'm just thinking, I think the last book... Oh, now I was going to call him like Burke. Burke. I don't even know what that was. Going Lenny on. the Lizard. It's the Burke Lancaster. <laughs> Lenny the Lizard alternate. Burke Lang. Lang Lancaster. Lang Manga. The last Burt Lancaster film I saw was The Swimmer, which is such a strange film, and I don't know if I can. Uh, I've never yeah, heard of it. it's a very very odd film. Speaking of odd, <laughs> odd films, imagine doing an impression of the Marx Brothers in the 70s. Well, exactly. But even with these other ones, like, Burt Lancaster and Cary Grant were not exactly, like, the the biggest stars of the day in the 70s, were they? Like, I mean, yes, yeah, they were you'd think... legacy stars. There's a reason that we still know them now. But he hasn't even moved with the times in the 70s, let alone, obviously, going forward now to his show in Vegas. Yeah. It's yeah, he's doing on Golden Pond. Like, <laughs> that's just so ridiculous. <laughs> just <laughs> oh god. Do you think he's in like a proper auditorium, or do you think he's in like a room like opposite the breakfast buffet room? <laughs> oh, um, we're you... painting this really bleak picture of Rich Little's current career. What was the name of it? Let me look it up. Laugh Factory. The Laugh Factory, you said. So it's like the stage like is kind of rounded. So it's sort of in the round. And then there's tables around the front bit. And then oh, there's cabaret some... seating. And then there's some benches towards the back which honestly look like pews out of a church um they don't really look like they belong in a comedy club maybe it's a maybe the laugh factory is like a little drive through chapel every <laughs> you know monday to wednesday <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and they whip out the tables and just add in some more pews in front yeah yeah um it doesn't i mean it's not tiny but it's definitely not enormous i would guess one of the smaller venues in vegas Oh dear. Ugh. Well, who doesn't want to see a Nixon impression in 2022, frankly? I just, I like, even with him only doing, well, that, let's pray only with him doing middle-aged and older white men slash dead white yes. men, he's still got so many other things that he could do. Like, the fact that, as that review said, he stops at Bill Clinton. Like, I mean, that's literally 30 years ago now. Like, yeah. how, 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 how has he still got a show? Who's maybe, going? Who wants to maybe see that, this? <laughs> maybe that's his shtick. Like, he only does impressions from 30 years before. So, you know, when he was in the 70s, he's, he's doing Carrie Grant, Grant and Burt Lancaster and the Marx Brothers. And now in 2022, he's still doing Bill Clinton. So when we get to, uh, like, 2052, he'll be doing Billie Eilish and, you know, <laughs> I mean, Machine Gun Kelly. The fact he's not dead yet makes me think he might still be alive in 2052 he clearly has got something that's keeping him going because it's crazy and um, i just want to talk about his liberace very quickly because one i thought it was terrible and i wasn't even 100 percent convinced <laughs> oh was, I was that like, who it was he meant doing... to be at the end yes exactly exactly i've got to say i don't think i even i didn't write liberace down so either i 
was already making a note or I had no idea who it was. He was doing his Liberace when all the big Muppety monsters came out at the end when he was saying about them being um, like fluffy and cuddly and lovely. Oh, that's what he was doing. I yeah. thought he was doing, I thought he was doing Vincent Price. <laughs> I mean, that might have been closer. Yeah. I was just like, it was a, awful. a campily was voiced so man. <laughs> just <laughs> but again, Liberace is so much about how you hold yourself and your hand movements and everything. And he, he was doing none of that. Like it was just, it was not good. It was really not good. <sighs> The only nice thing about this was seeing Mildred, even if she was very different than season one Mildred, it was nice to see that puppet back. It was. And there's the introduction of Fleet Scribbler, who was the puppet closest to the camera on the left, who had the crazy hair and everything. That's uh, Jerry Nelson is puppeteering Fleet, and I think we're going to see that puppet a few times. It was very much inspired by the paparazzi and tabloid press of the UK. So I have not entirely sure what that means is what is coming for that puppet, but (laughs) he is coming back. Other than maybe Liberace and obviously doing Nixon, you wouldn't have particularly known that that was from the 70s, would you really? Not at all. Yeah. Yeah, no. He probably did the exact same material on the Judy Garland show. (laughs) (laughs) Minus Nixon. (laughs) Yeah, just did JFK instead. (laughs) Emma, you must have been very happy with the next sketch. Yeah, it was really great to see um, another veterinarian's hospital sketch. Um, I thought the sort of interplay between Rolf and Fozzie and Piggy and Janice was really, really good. I mean, there were quite a lot of like dodgy jokes like beer and bear and cult and horse. But I thought it was quite solid. It was quite a funny one. You know, sometimes we've seen them and they can be a bit dry and unfunny. But I thought it was quite a, a good sort of solid sketch what did you guys think i just wondered why the chicken didn't show up to be honest (laughs) (laughs) probably because they were actually worried that the chicken was going to get injured in that (laughs) in that environment with dr bob wielding his saw and everything i don't know i found this a little bit grating because it was all sort of on the homophones wasn't it like you said it was like bear beer horse horse Colt in the head, stabilise, stable. Look at like... you using homophone just on the cash. <laughs> Soz. <laughs> Somebody did English language. <laughs> I feel like I was more entertained by other veterinarian hospital sketches before than I was from this one. But mm. I know what you mean about the interplay between all of the Muppets. I think there was good interplay and I think you can see that the puppeteers are finding their way with these characters and and getting you know getting a better feel for what each of these characters would do in these moments Mm -hmm. um and i did like fozzy you know fozzy basically didn't have anything until the end when he said about cutting remark that made me smile because it was also it felt like so in keeping for the character that fozzy had been led there Mm. this whole time listening to all this punning and was like i've got to get in on it i've got to get in on it (laughs) and then finally thought of something and got in and got the final punchline and i was like yay fozzy obviously we know they keep doing them i just i don't know i guess i hope that the next one's slightly more amusing for me but i'm glad you enjoyed it emma because i know you you like it (laughs) yeah i would have preferred a pigs in space i'm not gonna lie yeah well i think we're gonna get more of those anyway aren't we so they have to they built a spaceship (laughs) (laughs) they spent a lot of money (laughs) (laughs) and then following the end of veterinarian's hospital we move into the last little bit of backstage business which is kermit and gonzo (laughs) 
essentially Gonzo thinking that he's getting his dancing chicken act on, finding out that he originally wasn't going to because Adolf Nureyev and his seals were meant to be on, but they're not showing up. So now Gonzo can go on, which just, yeah, I feel like the absurdity has definitely been turned up this week. Yeah. But then the whole sketch itself is then limited by the fact that the chicken's just not doing yeah, much. Not doing <laughs> like, anything. like the lack of chicken improv is uh, <laughs> is a problem for this. I just don't get why they just, oh, I don't know. I, that's tempted to use a puppet. To me, that's the joke though, right? That the chicken's I suppose, just yeah, not I suppose doing so. anything. And Gonzo's gamely standing there holding the lead as if the chicken's about to run away which the chicken is clearly not interested in doing it's not even moving at all i just appreciated the sheer like absurdity and ridiculousness of this meant to be the big closing number of the show other you know Mm. from the muppets anyway other than rich little's number and it's just gonzo literally standing there with a chicken that's not doing anything (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I thought it was really funny that Gonzo was like, stardom is mine. And then obviously yes. <laughs> we cut to that and he's just stood there like completely deadpan. And there's a chicken on a lead. Like, how did that chicken even get the lead on it? It was like, what's happening? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought it was solid, even if it's even if it's like a bit strange. And I'm sure that much more of the Gonzo chicken action in the future is obviously going to revolve around Camilla and the Muppet chickens as opposed to real chickens. It was still funny to see it. It was good. Oh, also, I just wanted to mention that the song that they were dancing to, that's in quote marks, because mm. obviously there was no dancing, is T for Two, which Lewis is nodding, so that's good. But it's from a musical called No No Nanette, which I felt like, is that the original, like, we don't talk about Bruno? <laughs> <laughs> Bruno, no, no. Like, I was like, I was like, okay, people have been doing this for a long time, Lynn. It's not just Ugh. you. <laughs> God's sake. Wow, we're really trying to get down with the kids mentioning we don't talk about Bruno. Was, I'm sorry, it's called No, No, Nanette. What else are you meant to think of? <laughs> well, I just thought of Nanette, actually. <laughs> well, yeah, sure, but like, that's not a musical. <laughs> <laughs> just makes me think of Nanette's diner in Disneyland Paris. <laughs> Uh, right shall we shall we go on to rich's big finale yes <laughs> i'm laughing at clouds so dark up above the sun's in my heart and i'm ready for love and the stormy clouds chase Everyone from the place, come on with the rain. I've got a smile on my face. I walk down the lane with a happy refrain. Just singing, just singing in the rain. <laughs> All blue eyes is back. I have heard among this clan what called the forgotten man. Well, did you ever? 
What a swell party this is. Sing it, Ring. Have you heard about Dick Blanche? Oh. Got run down by an avalanche. <laughs> well, did you ever? What a swell party this is. So we got a crappy Gene Kelly. <laughs> I thought the Gene Kelly was fine. He didn't not sound like Gene Kelly. I don't know if it's just like when you sing singing in the rain maybe you just instinctively kind of do a little bit of a Gene Kelly twist on it. I didn't think it was awful. It was fine. Yeah. I just, uh, yeah. I had no idea who the next two people were. So I had to check, and according to Muppet Wiki, yeah. one was meant to be Churchill, which I did Inexplicable. not get nope. at all. And then the other one, which I'd half guessed, but only because of how he was stood, the last one in Singing in the Rain was John Wayne. But I did not get that from the voice at all. I only got that from the fact that he stood a little bit like a cowboy for about <laughs> 10 seconds. So I was like, is he doing a John Wayne? And Muppet Wiki think he is doing a John Wayne. So, but why? Again, like the same as like the opening. Like what, why do you go, you're singing, singing in the rain. Why find obviously to Gene Kelly? Those are references to like the 40s and 50s. It's just. At, and maybe at early 60s at best It's so weird It's so weird It doesn't make any sense It's just so dated <laughs> For an act in the 70s Like, you know It's just so odd And then we get a high society reference When he's doing Sinatra and Bing Crosby Again, a movie that came out While Grace Kelly was still acting <laughs> Like <laughs> She's been like Princess of Monaco Or Queen of Monaco For like 15 years at this point I thought his Sinatra and Bing weren't awful. Yeah, I got who they were straight away. Not even without yeah, the... Yeah, exactly. So I can't... And I have no idea how you sing an impression, if you know what I mean. Like, uh, that's quite an mm. impressive skill, I think. And I felt like Kermit was quite solid. Like, it was quite fun to see the two of them do Or Did You Ever. Like, I... Yeah. Of the three, the three little bits, in terms of, like, impressions and overall cohesion... Okay, it's not timely or anything, but this this kind of made sense, mm. didn't it, overall? Unrelated, but I have never seen High Society, despite the fact that The Philadelphia Story is one of my favourite films. Does Grace Kelly actually sing in that film, or do people men just sing around her for two hours? I haven't seen it either, actually. Oh, no, I was going to um, see Emma, have you seen it? No, I haven't. I was thinking that as well, actually. I, I don't know. I love The Philadelphia Story, though. Same. Yeah, me it's too. I wonder, I mean, even if she was meant to be singing, they might have just like Marnie Nixon. Well, it. quite. Yeah, because I don't think, I don't think of, but I've never even like, I've just never seen any clip of her in it singing or miming. But so I just sort of always assumed that she doesn't. I just assume it's just men singing around her and just holding whiskeys. Oh, okay. So I've just Googled High Society Grace Kelly song just to see if anything mm. comes up. And there's a couple of YouTube videos that have come up that say Grace Kelly and Bing Crosby. Oh, and so maybe like, she, yeah, if, but maybe she's just being like sung at <laughs> by Bing Crosby. She is listed as doing some of the songs on it, okay. but I don't know. Well, maybe I'll try and watch it and report back. I did see that in High Society they added. Well, did you ever? Because um, Sinatra and Crosby didn't have a song together, so they actually added it in so that they had a song oh. together. Which I thought was quite interesting. It's like when they add uh, Mine Hair to Cabaret. Because that's not in the original musical. Mm -hmm. Chucked it in for the movie. And I think maybe this time. Mm, I don't know. I don't know. I think so. I think I read that in the programme. I went and saw Cabaret. It was very good. (laughs) (laughs) 
and expensive. <laughs> now, who after being in Sinatra, like Maurice? Morris? I've written this. Yeah, M- Maurice Chevalier. I don't know who that is. Oh, really? No. Have you not seen like Gigi and things? Oh, is he Thank Heavens for Little Girls? Yeah. Oh, no, I've never seen Gigi. I um, okay. I have a very low tolerance for um, Leslie Caron. I find her quite grating. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Leslie. I mean, what a <laughs> homosexual opinion to have. <laughs> like, I don't care for Leslie Caron. <laughs> um, yeah, it, so it's uh, Chevalier is who he's doing, which I thought was solid. But I mean, it's basically just a French accent, isn't it? Like it's not <laughs> yeah, exactly just like, too special. And what? And I liked Piggy in this. I thought that it was a quite a good match to pick between Muppet and guest star mm. to have the two of them. And I felt like she was really getting into it. And when he said about her being strong and she had that hmm and then like she was really living up to it. So yeah, the one thing I did notice, I don't know if you two heard it too, when they were kissing at the end, they put in those horrible piggy snorting noises again. And I was like, oh, I thought we'd left them in season one. It's so awful. I hadn't noticed that actually. Yeah, no, I did. I was like, let's cut this now. (laughs) (laughs) I just thought... uh, from that actually and when um piggy was doing her uk spot earlier i wrote down miss piggy great hats in this episode she did yeah i noticed that too this one was like particularly crazy with the purple and the orange that's a combo you don't see that often other than on figment i think (laughs) (laughs) again journey into imagination another thing we never did journey into imagination only ever has a five minute queue at the worst of times like you two need to go on that we're clearly very busy in epcot (laughs) you know we made time for the norway ride for god's sake Back in the days when there was no cubes and nobody there. It was a thrilling day out, like going on a log flume past an oil refinery. <laughs> just, I just love the rig. fact that it's been yeah. like repurposed to be the frozen ride now and it's got like a two hour wait on it. <laughs> I know. Uh, yeah, well, I, you're, you're missing out not going to see Figment, but it is a strange ride. When we went on it a couple of years ago, <laughs> luckily we like walked straight on it. And afterwards, Rich was like, I would never queue for that ride. <laughs> and I was like, good, that's fine. We walked on. It's you'll, not a problem. You'll never have to. <laughs> yes. It's not a problem. I was like, I was like, should we go on Finding Nemo again? I was like trying to cheer him up. I was like, come on, oh. come on. Oh, I love that ride. <laughs> Finding Nemo is so cute. <laughs> Okay, it, I think it speaks to the fact of how much we have gone on to talk about <laughs> Walt Disney World, about how uh, dull this episode actually is. Um, I mean, is, is there much more to say in the in the closing? All I've written is, so who is Rich Little? Like I'm writing some sort of like, <laughs> like I don't know, an autobiography. Yeah, I mean, the, the goodbyes were just pretty standard weren't they although again i did find gonzo funny when rich little did his chicken impersonation and gonzo absolutely slammed into him (laughs) like it was a very gonzo move i felt like it was almost like he had magnets and was drawn to him like that that attraction to chickens is so strong it's undeniable they've established his king early like it's there they're laying the they're laying the groundwork i feel like the start the reward off button on the end about I never want to go through that again. And although he did say the War of 1812, it was like, yeah. 
no, I don't really want to go through that again either, boys. Like, no, thank you. Yeah, full disclosure, this episode bored me so much, I didn't even wait for the button. I just turned my television straight off. I was like, done. <laughs> I didn't find this boring. I felt like there was some good Muppet stuff in it, but... Jade, save it. Save it for your ranking. <laughs> I, you know, I will save it for my ranking, but just, like, I don't... I feel like this is one of those typical ones where actually like the guest star mm. is what's bringing it down. I actually felt like a lot of the Muppet stuff was solid. Um, yeah. But the, the guest star wasn't great. Well, it'll be very interesting to see how we each rank the episode. But first, we must decide upon our MVMP, our most valued Muppet performer. Emma, why don't you kick us off? Yeah, so my MVMP for this week is going to be Kermit. Mm. I decided to go with Kermit for a couple of reasons. Number one, his very cute, like, 1970s tux he was wearing in his duet with Rich, which I absolutely adored. And I love the fact that he wore that on, like, the closing as well. And I just thought he was quite solid in this episode, especially when we were having the bits where we were having, like, the songs and sketches on stage. And then, obviously, we had it where it sort of then fed into backstage and then Kermit was, like, interacting. Um, I thought that was quite funny. And I just liked the fact that he was a bit, like, I don't really know what's happening in these kind of impressionist (laughs) skits, but I'm just going to go with it. And the tux kind of made me think, do you know what? He deserves it. So for this episode... I love... <laughs> my current... no, my reasoning for it, yeah. <laughs> Solid, just isn't like, it? <laughs> I just love the idea that someone rocks up in a tux and you're like, you're it. <laughs> you're a star. I'm giving you <laughs> yeah. all the awards. Take them. Take them. Well, t- to be completely honest, I was going to just go for Ralph again, <laughs> but I thought I'd better not. So... <laughs> purely for his reactions to like the bit where he's backstage with Gonzo yeah, and playing cute. the piano and just being like what is happening <laughs> um but then I saw Kermit in the tux and I was like yep that's it <laughs> so for this episode my MVMP is gonna be Kermit brackets um, in, a you, <laughs> in a suit in a tux in a suit <laughs> yeah in a tux I'll put that in the notes <laughs> um <laughs> who's my MVMP for this week I genuinely like no do you know what? I'm just going to choose Gonzo. Because <laughs> the, we're getting closer and closer to the Gonzo that we recognise. I really liked how his eyes moved so much. And <laughs> end of list. <laughs> like, I wasn't so easily swayed by a suit jacket. <laughs> what about you, Jade? Yeah, I'm going to say Gonzo as well. I feel like this episode established, <laughs> as Lewis just said, established Gonzo's kink which is always fun. And mm. I don't know, I feel like he had so many good one-liners that were just, I don't know whether they were ad-libbed, I think some of them were, or whether they were scripted. But either way, like, it just felt very gonzo and it felt good. And it was so nice for him to have the runner as well, because yes. we really, really haven't seen that very much. And when we have seen it before, it's usually been because he's depressed or something so yeah it was just it was just fun it's the most he's been given to do for a while yeah absolutely i mean he's for a long time barely been in this season so far i know we're not that far into it but when you think how much we've seen fozzy and piggy and everyone felt like a nice addition to have him be more of a main cast member not just yeah you know the artiste okay so ratings who wants to start lewis do you want to go first? Yeah, why not? <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm... Okay. 
I think this is probably the episode I've enjoyed the least so far this season. So I think I'm going to do four... <laughs> four Jimmy... <laughs> four on Golden Pond... <laughs> Skits <laughs> out of ten. Um, I just came away just with very little idea about beyond the fact that he does some impressions, <laughs> like who Rich Little is, and I don't know. I just found the whole thing a bit meh. I really, I am so like without opinion for this. I can't. I'm. I, do you know? What? I'm just gonna stop. I'm not even gonna say anymore. I'm just gonna say four out of ten. I didn't like it that much. <laughs> what is there to say? <laughs> Also, this pie is really making me feel sleepy. So I think that I'm winding down. All of my energy is going to digestion. It's like there's nothing, there's nothing left to give. <laughs> Emma, what are you giving this week's episode? I'm going to give this episode four Lolita chickens out of nice. ten. I kind of agree with you, really, Lou. I kind of went into it and I was like, this is going to be quite good. You know, I sort of looked up Rich Little and what to try and see what he was known for. And when they were like, he's the man of a thousand voices. I was like, oh. Emma, sorry, your hair has gone full. Like, <laughs> no, I know. Like you're saved by the bell. Oh no, now, oh, now your cousin it. I know. Yeah. God's sake. Yeah, it's gone a bit crazy. My hair's gone a bit crazy today. <laughs> the woman of a thousand hair- haircuts. Yeah. So I decided to give it a four because I don't know. I kind of went into it and I was like, I feel like this could be really, really good. But it was just a kind of mix of like impressions that weren't great, as we've said, and some of the sort of sketches like at the dance and even the tea for two. Although it was funny, it wasn't, it was kind of like, I was like, I don't really know where this is sort yeah. of going. So yeah, out of everything that we've seen so far for season two, I think this is probably my least favourite episode. So that's why I've went for a... Uh, Four Lolita chickens out of ten. How about you, Jade? Uh, see, I don't think this is. I don't think this is my worst episode of the season so far. I feel like the first two disappointed me more in in other ways. And like I said a minute ago, I do feel like there's some strong Muppet stuff in here. And I guess I did. I did enjoy Gonzo's stuff, and that is in quite a lot of it, and also goes on the stage as well. Mm. So oh, I don't know. This is this is hard because it's. I didn't particularly get on with Rich Little, and I don't. I feel like that obviously needs to be reflected in it too. But I'm go down the middle again. I'm gonna go five out of ten swamp faces, which is nice. what Piggy called <laughs> Kermit. <laughs> <laughs> she thought he'd been cheating on her with the dodgy female voice which was not miss piggy yeah. um yeah i like i enjoyed gonzo i did enjoy the final number i'm kind of on board for that sort of just like irreverent nonsense like that's fine um i like the opening just because it was fun and yeah we haven't seen that many explosions yet this season so okay i'm not i'm not bored of them yet I thought Piggy was very good in the UK spot and also when they were singing I Remember It Well. And I did like the glowworm sketch as well. There was a finesse and a sort of simplicity to it, which I thought was very effective. His impressions are just not good and, no. you know, not, like, not no. particularly enjoyable. And I didn't love the ballroom as always. And I thought Veterinarian's Hospital could have been better. So I think it's a 
it is a real mix of an episode. I can understand why you both think it's the worst one so far, but I feel like stuff like Windmills of My Mind, which I still find haunting and I think about, <laughs> and I like it freaks me out. Like there's been moments like that that have just like genuinely scarred me from this season so far. There was nothing upsetting or unsettling. No, and you know what? No. That's quite nice yeah. <laughs> for a Muppet. For exactly. A Muppet. Like, and I and I get what you're saying, Lewis, which is just like, like it's kind of a bit meh, and there's not that much to yeah. say about it. So I like I I take that too. Which isn't useful from a podcast. No, not great. And yet somehow we've still managed to go for an hour and twenty four minutes. <laughs> Yeah, so before we turn this into a full 90-minute movie, uh, Jade, why don't you... What do we call this? The Reading Corner? Think, Your book club? I think it was book club. <laughs> Jade's... Jade's... It's Jade's book club. Oh, yes, because we're trying to get you to get successful enough so we can put have you put stickers on stickers. books. To <laughs> on, on books that are out of print. How useful. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jade, take it away. I'm going to read a little section from Of Muppets and Men by Christopher Finch today, which is actually talking about this particular episode and Gonzo and his love of chickens and how that helped Dave Gould's find the character and sort of get a bit of a, a bit more of a sense of him. I really like the fact that it was about this specific episode and I thought, take the opportunity while it's there. So... Until Gonzo evolved, along with Dave Gould's, however, the writers tended to treat him as a vaudeville cliché, a purveyor of ludicrous feats generally performed off-camera to hearty jeers. But like Piggy, and probably with less equivocation, Gonzo believed in himself. He dismissed the audience as being made up of peasants, and this led to backstage dialogues that gave him the opportunity to become a factor in the intellectual life of The Muppet Show. As Dave Gould's learned to plumb the depths of Gonzo's soul, as he learned how to exploit each tick of the character's subtly expressive features, so Gonzo took on a kind of heroic, if somewhat twisted, dignity. The writers began to provide him with material that was delicately shaded to reveal every nuance of his warped aspirations and epic gullibility. Gonzo always possessed self-confidence, and and as the show progressed, he developed a certain savoir-faire, synthetic perhaps, but nonetheless charming for that. In the beginning, Gauls recalls, Gonzo was pretty much a down character. His natural expression is kind of down. Between seasons, back in New York, I built a new Gonzo with an eye mechanism that enabled him to look excited. That helped me develop the upside of Gonzo's character, and Jerry Jewell and the other writers picked up on it. Then there was a moment during the second season when I had Gonzo ad lib a line that was, I think, important for my understanding of his character. He'd been auditioning chickens for the show, dancing chickens, and they were all terrible. At the end of the scene, I had him turn to the camera and say, nice legs though. Something gelled right there. It told me something about him. Mm. It goes on to talk more about Gonzo and the complexities and everything of his character, but... Uh, to me it's really interesting that this episode is like he's given his opportunity to have a backstage runner and actually it turned out to be really quite and that he's into chickens (laughs) yeah (laughs) and camilla is a lucky lady (laughs) lucky lucky lady and on that note (laughs) thank you so much for listening to muppetsational if you've enjoyed the episode don't forget to oh god no that's it that's That's me. Hitting the microphone, I'm done.
Thank you so much for listening to Muppetational. If you've enjoyed the episode, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review it. It really helps spread the word about the podcast. You can follow us on social media. We are at Muppetational on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and Facebook. You can contact us at hi-ho at muppetspodcast.com. And you can find out more about us and the podcast at muppetspodcast.com. <laughs> Thank you so much for tuning in for another episode of Muppetational. I'm going to go lie down and digest a pie. Until next week, I've been Lewis Chandler. (laughs) I've been Jade Turner. And I've been Emma Chandler. It was such a big pie. I'm not even kidding. (laughs) I I think I need to ask Peter about the size of this pie. I've got visions of him being like, it was a totally normal pie. I don't know what he's on. (laughs) The pastry was so thick. (laughs) We shall see you next week on another episode of Muppetational. Bye. Bye. Our theme music is Peppy Pepe by Kevin MacLeod and our artwork is designed by Charlotte Rudge who you can follow at at charlie underscore r underscore rudge on Instagram. That was a funny show. Yes, it was. I wonder if they meant it that way. (laughs) 